TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The Crisis Next Door. A weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world. With host, Jason Brooks. Thank you for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Belarus is the latest nation to be convulsed by mass demonstrations looking to rid the country of an authoritarian regime. But will Alexander Lukashenko, sometimes called Europe's last dictator, willingly give up the reins on his country? To talk about what's happening in Belarus, we're joined by Franek Viatorka, a journalist and analyst based in Minsk and a non-resident fellow with the Atlantic Council and vice president of Digital Communication Network. Franek, thank you for joining The Crisis Next Door. Thank you for having me. Franek, let's set the stage. You've been on the ground covering the protests since they started earlier this month, which started after Alexander Lukashenko won the presidential election, which has been roundly criticized for electoral fraud. What are the demonstrators demanding? And how much do you think this caught Lukashenko off guard? Yeah, you're right. These protests are absolutely unprecedented for Belarus and for the whole region. I think that um, really important events are are not only for Belarus happening, but for the whole uh, post-Soviet space. I would say that Belarus is the last Soviet country. And what we see right now, that's the end of the Soviet Union collapse. In 1990, many people went out to the streets in Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan, and demanded the independence. And the only one country um, had revenge of the Soviet forces, it was Belarus. And Belarus didn't experience privatization, didn't join European family as Baltic states, it didn't have real reforms. So for 30 years, it was living in the Soviet-style regime system led by President Alexander Lukashenko leading the country for 26 uh, years. And, uh, and these protests uh, that we are talking right now, they did not start last week. They started uh, earlier this year during the COVID crisis. And that was the beginning when, uh, when Lukashenko made several mistakes, and uh, which actually sparked the new political movement which, which brought Belarus to, to, the, to, where we, um, uh, to where it is now. Do you think, if not for the COVID outbreak, that perhaps... There, these demonstrations would not be taking place, that Lukashenko's rule would not have been challenged in the first place? Uh, nothing uh, nothing uh, showed that this protest uh, would happen. But uh, I mentioned COVID crisis because Lukashenko really misconducted this crisis. He underestimated the importance of the pandemic. He said that uh, a virus is hoax, it's not real, 
and you should drink vodka and play ice hockey if you want to get cured. And I'm not joking, it's, it's, uh, it's his word, it's his statement. And many people got organized, they created alternative civil society, they uh, helped each other, they gathered money for doctors during the COVID crisis. And now the same structures are helping uh, protesters uh, during the uh, crackdown. Uh, now these structures that were helping doctors during COVID crisis, they're supporting families of thousands of those arrested and detained by authorities. And um, all, all these protests, they will not finish anytime soon. Uh, people pretty uh, angry with their government. They understood that all this time government was uh, not serving its people, but government was using its own people and uh, cheating and lying. Uh, for many people, that was a real discovery that all the state propaganda machine didn't tell the truth. So today and yesterday I saw at the streets those who would never protest against the regime. But they are so angry to be <laughs> cheated, manipulated um, and, and uh, intimidated that they can't, they can't stay home anymore. The scenes from Independence Square in Minsk have been overwhelming. Every avenue filled with people. You mentioned that there have been arrests, protest leaders have been arrested. Do you think this will scare other protesters or perhaps backfire with those leaders being turned into murders for the protesters? Many people are scared. And, uh, you know, when you watch video online, it's much more uh, frightening than if you are there. When you are there, you're surrounded by other people, journalists, activists, and uh, you are not scared so much. Yes, you see the blasts, you see explosions, you see grenades, you see army shooting the people, but you also feel the energy of other protesters, you know, and it gives you power and it gives you also understanding and the feeling that you are fighting for good, that you are fighting for something right and you are risking not just um, not just because, but you are risking in, in, in name of future of your country. And I think for many people who passed through this crackdown and who were shot by police, for them it was like the moment of uh, getting mature. It was the um, several days uh, when our nation got matured. This... Uh, I, perhaps I will say not popular things, but I think, you know, these wounds, these injuries and these tortures, they were important to open eyes of millions, of millions of those who were living in unreal Belarus, who were living in absolutely illusionary world. And now they, they just um, awakened. They understand that every uh, one can make the change. They realized that if they will not stop this violence, this torture, this evil, no one else will stop. And this is this is quite uh, unbelievable um, personally to me. Fronik, have the demonstrators risen up or fought back at all against the military or police who have been using whether shock grenades, tear gas, or even bullets in some cases against them? Have, have there been any pushback against the authorities cracking down? 
you know, our people, Belarus people, are very peaceful, and uh, I would say we all we often refer Belarus as Germans of the Eastern Europe because they are very organized, very disciplined, very ordered. You know, they they um, you know they always follow the law and the rules, and for many Belarusians, it's quite impossible to attack the police. You know, because police is something, or soldier, or army, it's something like untouchable. And this is why for many people we are shocking to see when police began shooting them. Uh, and I must say that our police, the riot police, it's much more violent than perhaps American police. Uh, perhaps I'm wrong, you know, and I'm watching perhaps wrong videos, even from Portland and other, other places. But I must say that for 26 years of President Lukashenko, he has created not just law enforcement, he has created his own personal army of uh, loyal uh, bodyguards, thousands of bodyguards, ready not just to protect the order, but ready to shoot anyone, ready to protect their leader for by, by any price. And um, they are much more organized, they are much more violent, they are much more aggressive than even American policemen, you know, used to, to disperse protests in, in the United States. Uh, what can be done against them? I don't know. People don't have weapons. People, people don't know how to protest violently. You know, they, they, the last time they just brought uh, guitars and music instruments and some, mm, some, some drums, you know, to sing and to play music. I think that's uh, during the some clashes I saw people were um, throwing fruits uh, to the police, but still it's not enough to stop to stop the violence. So I don't think Belarusians are able, you know, for violent resistance, which make the situation even more uh, drastic, even more dramatic for protesters. That's certainly, very interesting response from the demonstrators. How much support? is Lukashenko receiving from the population? Are there big counter-demonstrations in support of Lukashenko? Oh, I don't think he has much support at all. You know, we even call him the president of army and police. Uh, I, I don't think he actually uh, received much votes at these elections. Uh, of course, there are many people dependent on the regime, those public sector workers, doctors, teachers, all those who receive money from the state budget, and they um, they feel like they are um, they must pay back. That government pays them money, and they must protect this government. But I would say they are like 15-20% of population maximum, and those who will vote for him. But of course, majority at these elections, and we have documentary evidences, uh, did vote for changes. They vote for alternative candidates, and uh, these elections were absolute and unprecedented in terms of falsifications uh, that were documented by observers and by activists. So, so I think he feels this too, and this is why his response was so violent. He realized that he is not in majority anymore, and uh, in order to preserve his power, he needs to take more. Uh, more aggressive steps. You're listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks, and we're talking about the mass demonstrations in Belarus with Franek Viachorka, 
a journalist and analyst based in Minsk. Opposition candidate Svetlana Sikhanovskaya fled Belarus and now is in exile in neighboring Lithuania. Will she run for office again and what is she trying to achieve from afar? Svetlana Tikhanovskaya is the symbol of this uprising. She is not pure politician. She doesn't want to be politician. She um, managed to become the leader of this grassroots movement and the symbol of the uh, people who just want changes. She says, I'm, I'm coming here and I'm uh, running these elections because I want to conduct new elections. And she doesn't promise anything. She doesn't promise any reforms or changes. Her program is pretty, pretty short, very simple, new elections. And I think this is what bought so many people. Because people, it's not a competition of political programs. It's not a competition between the Republicans or Democrats. It's competition between crazy uh, authoritarian leader and the democratic uh, model of the uh, country. Uh, So people, they are not supporting one ideology who are coming to the streets. There are more left, there are more right, there are pro-Western, there are pro-Russian at this protest. But all of them just got tired of one leader, one post-Soviet boring uh, leader who is getting older and older and he is getting far away from reality. And this is, this is what is perception um, uh, here, on the place. You know, people just uh, um, divide, divide this, this revolution on two parts. First part, to, uh, to change, the, to get rid of Lukashenko, who is like the um, personalization of, of the evil for many people. And second part, to conduct new elections. And I, I don't think that Tsikhanovska will be the candidate at new elections. She's, she's like Jeanne d'Arc, you know. She's not coming to lead the country. She's coming to conduct a revolution. And, that's, and, and she already actually performed her mission. Sukhanuska addressed the Foreign Affairs Committee of European Parliament today, saying Belarus has woken up and that a peaceful revolution is taking place. What can Europe do to ensure a peaceful transition of power in Belarus? Unfortunately, there are no much instruments um, to impact, to influence, to save uh, the situation. They are discussing sanctions towards regime of Lukashenko and those involved into repressions and crackdown. But that's not enough. They discuss in negotiations and round tables with Russia regarding Belarus. But it won't help because Russia is backing President Lukashenko here right now. Russia doesn't need to invade Belarus because Russia has control over President Lukashenko. It just needs to save him in power, but to weaken him so much as possible. When you have a weakened uh, leader, he's much more agreeable for anything. And I think this is main interest of Russia. So any attempts to negotiate uh, with Russia right now uh, they, they will be endless and they will not lead to any uh, solution. And I think the only thing Lukashenko, President Lukashenko wants to do right now, he wants to uh, win some time. And he won, um, he's bluffing that he will be torturing, killing, you know, shooting people. 
and he wants just to um, to deteriorate the protest movement and 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 sometimes i feel like he's succeeding are there fears in belarus that what's happening in ukraine could happen in belarus or like you said putin may not send in his army just doesn't need to so perhaps worries over a war like in ukraine won't happen in belarus belarus is not ukraine uh, and it's definitely not russia ukraine was a democratic country when the revolution happened part partial democracy let's say belarus is authoritarianism and i think if revolution will succeed that will that will be um belarus is not divided on the west and the east like ukraine belarus doesn't have this um a russian presence as russia has in uh, in donbass and crimea there are no pro-russian organizations in belarus so if the changes if the revolution succeeds Belarus will be quickly integrating into Europe. Uh, and it's not even the issue, you know. Belarus will be, perhaps it, it will adjust even quicker than Poland or Baltic countries to European standards. Because it's very organized, it's very uh, well-built, infrastructure, state infrastructure is existing. And uh, most of the elites are technocrats. I mean, the guys who were um, serving the regime but not because they support Lukashenko, but because they are professionally fit uh, to these positions, and they uh, they became uh, ministers or um, or or chairmans or or leaders uh, because of their career growth, but not because political appointments. So uh, if Lukashenko is deleted from these elites from the top uh, of of Belarus uh, state structure. Uh, the infrastructure of the state will will uh, remain. Belarus will be quickly able um, will be able to quickly conduct all reforms that Ukraine failed after Revolution 2014. So I'm pretty optimistic about that. Earlier this week, Belarus's Ministry of Defense reported an attempt to violate the airspace of the Republic of Belarus. Eight balloons with anti-state symbols launched from the territory of Lithuania. Obviously, these balloons didn't pose any threat. What does this tell you about Lukashenko in his attempts to hold on to power? Might he look for a foreign provocation to try and rally Belarusians? Would he have any success in doing that? Uh, Lithuania didn't plan any attack or whatever against Belarus. Of course, it was the um, it was the PR game by Belarus Ministry of Defense. They said that Lithuania launched these uh, small balloons with a flag and it was a provocation. And in response, they launched helicopters, you know, to stop balloons from uh, invading Belarus airspace. Of course, it's, it's, it's circus. It's, it's comedy. Uh, but I think that's also very symbolic because it describes perfectly what's happening in Belarus. Uh, we see the musicians with the guitar uh, countering the thousands of riot policemen with arms and the same like helicopters uh, against balloons launched from Lithuania you know they mm, they just uh, they, they want to show the strength and the power but instead they are showing how weak and how insecure they feel by this uh, by these statements also Lukashenko wants to bluff uh, he is bluffing and he wants to show the, the threat from the West, and he's looking for any opportunity to show NATO 
army uh, near Belarus border uh, in, in Poland or uh, some soldiers coming from Lithuania, he can't find any real threat from there, so he just create this threat. And all propaganda machine is working to amplify this feeling of the foreign uh, uh, threat to, to the country. Speaking of a circus, Lukashenko was seen in a bulletproof vest with a rifle getting off a helicopter outside his residence with demonstrators nearby demanding his resignation. Uh, is just this a, a desperate chance at being macho by Lukashenko in order to try and threaten the people to, to pull back from demonstrating against him? I mean, how are Belarusians looking at this image of Lukashenko? He wants to look macho, of course. Uh, this was the message not to the people, but to the law enforcement. I think this gun and bulletproof uh, vest, it was the demonstration like, guys, I'm here to the end. I'm not going to flee. I am same as you. We are like one team, one family right now. And I think law enforcement really respected this. They like this macho type uh, approach. And uh, unfortunately, uh, this doesn't solve the problem. I think uh, this message and the, the, the way how it was um, communicated to the wider audience uh, is very dangerous. Because, because for many people it was like a message, uh, guys, we don't care about your life. We are ready to kill you. Just try to protest again. And today, the Ministry of Defense, they published another statement saying that we are army, but we see the internal threat coming from Belarus people, and we will be using our resources and soldiers to, um, uh, to, to, to keep uh, things in order. So all of this means that Lukashenko basically indirectly announces the war against uh, his own people, and it, it scares me a lot, honestly. Franek, I know it's very hard to try to read the future, but do you think Lukashenko will willingly give up power eventually, or will he not go down without a fight? He will not go down without a fight. Um, he is preparing for the worst-case scenario. Uh, I am sure that he is ready to use any violence, any weapons against any, um, any type of threat. Um, unfortunately, there is no much um, tools, much um, instruments and, and uh, um, solutions uh, in order to stop him. I think even Russia cannot stop him, really. Uh, the biggest, uh, the, the most possible scenario is that someone from inside who is close to Lukashenko when seeing the violence and when seeing all these orders uh, against the people or like order to shoot people, let's say, uh, someone who, who is close to him will, will stop him from doing this or arrest him or detain him. I think this is the most uh, possible scenario. I'm not sure that this vertical and power vertical and the system and the, the circles around Lukashenko are so loyal. Honestly, I think many people there, they are thinking about uh, the betrayal to Lukashenko and they are just trying to, to find out um, what is the most uh, plausible and um, benefiting solution for themselves. If they will feel security guarantee given by opposition, 
he and if they will understand that they can get more without Lukashenko than with him, then they can switch the site and, um, and support the protest. A glimmer of hope among some other very chilling scenarios. Dictators do not tend to go quietly into the night. Franek, I want to thank you very much for all of your hard work covering this story and for joining us here on The Crisis Next Door. Thank you. We've been talking with Franek Viachorka, a journalist and analyst based in Minsk and a non-resident fellow with Atlantic Council and vice president of Digital Communications Network. Thank you for joining The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Till next time. The Crisis Next Door with host Jason Brooks is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich, the step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.